highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Second pass as the anticipation continues to build. Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, Hulk Hogan, presently the Macho King, Randy Savage, and Zeus waiting for you in the steel cage. The moment of truth has arrived. You better believe they're waiting, brother. The Hulkamaniacs are already running wild, and the electricity is so thick, you can cut it with a knife, brother. The lambs have already been led to slaughter, brother. The Macho King, Zeus, and Scary Scary have fallen into our trap, brother. The no hold bars cage match and Brutus the Barber. All I want you to do, since you've been accepted as the number one Hulkamaniac ever, is to put the Macho King at bay. Bust him up real bad, brother. And once you get him laying, just how you want him laying, leave Zeus to me, brother. Leave him for me. All right, brother. You know how bad I want the Macho King and that scary, scary Hulk. You know that I will not stop until I've taken care of him, until I put them down. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to end this reign of terror by Zeus once and for all and give the Hulkamaniacs what they really want, what they really want for Christmas, Hulk. And that's put Zeus out. You better believe it, Brutus, but I may make it easy on you, brother. When I hang the largest gun in the world, brother, the Macho King may just pass out. But if he doesn't, you've been anointed by all the Hulkamaniacs as number one, and I know you can take care of him. But for all you Hulkamaniacs who've been in danger with me before, all you little hawksters that have ridden the storm out with me, this is the roughest seas we're ever going to have to sail. And I promise you, the demandments of the training, the prayers, and the vitamins will prove to be the strongest force in the no-holds-barred steel cage. What you gonna do when Brutus the Barber and the Hulkster destroy you? On the way to steel cage, let's go back to Vince and Jesse. to the season one finale of the 24-inch podcast. It is December 21st, four days before the fat man's arrival here in Buffalo, New York. Paula Bennett is anxiously waiting for his arrival. She'll join us on the program later. I'm Steve Bennett. Let's bring in my main man, my partner out in New Jersey, Sopranos Town, Soccer Town, whatever you want to call it. What's up, Dave? How are you doing tonight? Dave Rollins. Let's see. Let's see. What's up to you, Dave? What's up, Steve? This is healthy Hollywood Dave Rollins today. I'm feeling much better. Uh, everybody knows if they listen to our Slammies podcast. I was a little down and out last week with a flu-like upper respiratory infection, but the Z pack works. Maybe the Zeus pack. Z gangster pack. Praise God. <laughs> it worked for me, man. Uh, and I'm feeling much better. I, I went out and did my mile run today. Uh, I'm on vacation. This is the first time in my work life that I've taken uh, the week before Christmas off. 
Usually, if I have vacation days remaining, I'll take the week after Christmas off. But uh, my supervisor is retiring December 31st, the end of the year. And, you know, I want to be there for her send-off. She's a great lady. And uh, that's why I took the week before this year. So here I am on vacation, hanging out, my brother. Doing good. It is Christmas time, and it's a busy time for our family because we got just so many places to go, so much ground to cover. Everyone wants to see Paula, give Paula a gift. Nobody cares that much about us anymore, but certainly getting, nah. getting her around to see everybody. But just have me thinking, Dave, what were your holiday traditions? What, what did you do growing up, and was wrestling involved in any way? All right. I think I mentioned it last week, but uh, my dad would play Santa Claus at the local. It wasn't our church. He's Protestant, and my mom's Catholic, and you know the kids are Catholic. But he, in the little Protestant church in the basement, he'd play Santa Claus. And, you know, he'd have, you know, maybe 50 people, and he'd announce their names, and he'd, like, kind of have some, uh, you know, cracking jokes on them and all, and, and, you know, in a nice way. But some of the kids didn't get it. So that was always a big deal, seeing your dad as Santa Claus every year and performing Except on for stage. the one year, didn't he couldn't do it, right? And then the boss forced your Uncle Bobby to do it, but he was really shy and didn't really, <laughs> didn't really want to do it. That was a real shitty year, right? Yeah, and then they yeah. said, fuck you, Santa, yeah. and it was all over. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's great. All right, I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, it's something kind of very very similar to, similar to that, but my father was very much more out. He'd be like the old Santa that uh, Pussy uh, was. But anyway, yeah, you know, we would have that. And then, uh, you know, the... Uh, Back in the day, the cousins and aunts and uncles, you know, Auntie and Uncle Tito, like I always talked about, would all come to my house. And my sisters were growing up, and myself, and just you know, we played music, sing carry. Was this on Christmas carry. Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Day. Christmas okay. Eve was a little, a little more quiet. Me okay. and my there's a couple of years. Me and my dad would go around to our cousin's house and deliver the deliver the presents and what like whatnot. Christmas Eve was a little more quiet. And then uh, Christmas Day, like I said, was was a little wild. There's one year we, we, where karaoke machines first came out, and that's on that's on a camcorder video. That's a whole story in itself. I took a look at a lot of the videos um, during COVID, you know, during during the lockdown and whatnot, and it was nice to look at that. And uh, later years on Christmas Eve, we started going out to dinner with the cousins as I got into my 20s and part of my 30s. Now, pretty much, it's just you know just the immediate family. Who's still around in my house? But it's still fun, still loud, still a lot of wine. But it's much more condensed. My the uh, my only uh, niece is lives in California, so they're you know they're not around anymore. Uh, my sister and her husband Tommy and my niece Skyler, uh, they're out there. But we make the best of it with uh, who's left around here, and we always have fun. There's always one big fight. Usually we had a big, we already had a fight in Thanksgiving, so maybe we'll be all right on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, just the normal stuff. Is wrestling involved? Well, my dad would, when he was Santa, when he would announce the person to come up and get their gift, would do it in the wrestling voice. You know, That's Megan yeah. Schultz, you know, all that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. And, you know, is wrestling involved now? Not really. Maybe if I bring up the podcast that I'm doing. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, of course, nobody could get away from it. You know, so right. it was it was involved heavily back then. When I was growing up, when I was really young, like the first 11 or 12 years on Christmas Eve, we would have at my great-grandma's sister's house, the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is oh, a real right. Italian kind of tradition. Very much. And we would do that, and it was all these relatives were there that I couldn't pick out of a lineup now. You know what I mean? Just like all these, like my grandma's, my great-grandma's sister's family's families. They don't yeah, know man. me now, and I don't know them because the, the great-grandparents were like the, the glue that kept all these people together. 
And then as they fell off, those gatherings fell off. Um, and that became less of and less of a tradition. So Yeah. But I did that for like the first ten or eleven or twelve years. And also I had my parents were divorced. So I would usually go with my to my dad's house for most of Christmas Day and spend most of Christmas Eve with my mom doing whatever she was doing, which like I said, the first twelve years was the Feast of the Seven Fishes. After that, a lot of time at my step grandparents' house. We'd be there on Christmas Eve. And then um, Christmas Day, like I said, was usually at my dad's. Now, in the Paula era, it's just, it's chaos. Oh, another tradition growing up, probably the biggest one, is my brothers and I would build a fort in my bedroom, and we would sleep together in the fort on Christmas Eve. That's really cool. Really yeah. cool, man. And then um, what would happen is my brother Anthony would usually wake up first. Every year, we'd hear him come running up the stairs. He came, he came, he came. And my mom, every year, would say, okay. You guys can get your stockings and bring them into the fort. You, we'll open presents in an hour because it's usually too early. So that me and my brothers would yeah. get our stockings, bring them up into the fort, check out that stuff, whatever was in there, and then wait for that hour to end so we could open our gifts. Very cool. And, yeah, uh, like stocking stuffers go first. Yeah, yeah. Like Small, that was the stuff. one thing we were allowed to open like alone in the stocking and check that out. Yeah. And it would be like it, a lot of times it would be like batteries. It would be like. Okay, well, we know we got something with batteries. I wonder what these Some, batteries are. Something going. electronic. Yeah. You're getting your Chucky dolls coming. Or the like, batteries are going to fall out after. <laughs> I remember one year I got like a PlayStation memory card, but I didn't have PlayStation yet. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> All right. Probably going to be a PlayStation at some point in the next two yeah, years. Yeah, I, I can't think. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I, I had stuff like that happen to me. So, yeah, uh, as well. You get something that you know something else is coming. Absolutely. And it happened to me when I was a kid too at a birthday party. I got the Nintendo game Ten Yard Fight, but I didn't have Nintendo yet. But my yeah. mom had told the people that they're getting me Nintendo, to, so they got me the Nintendo game Ten Yard Fight. And my mom yeah. kind of forgot about the timing of it. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. Thanks. If I ever get a Nintendo, I'll play it for sure. So, <laughs> not the best Nintendo game ever, but it's the yeah. first one I ever owned, Ten Yard Fight. Yeah, the first one I ever owned besides besides Mario and Duck Hunt. Right. Uh, I think it actually came with uh, the Nintendo I got in 1988 for Christmas. It came with uh, tr- a track and field thing where you run on the pad. I never got into that. Okay. But, like, uh, it's part of your bundle. Something like that, yeah. Action set or power. Yeah, I set. had that that pad too. All those extra yeah. things for Nintendo sucked, like the glove, the pad. Glo- that, yeah. I got that Christmas in '90. My sister, my older sister Lisa, she tried so hard to get it, spend a lot of money. It was like the big gift of the year, and like it was so hard telling her that this thing sucks. But then yeah. eventually, she's like, her boyfriend was like, "Yeah, it sucks." But you know, what are you gonna do? It happened to everybody that year. Yeah, the thing it was, it was crap. It was a bust. But uh, the second game I ever got, like when. There were some games that were like only twenty five bucks instead of fifty. It was, it was pinball, and it was kind of like a throwaway game, but everybody loved it. It yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that was my second game. Um, but that was basically traditions. Now, um, my my brothers and my mom come over our house on Christmas Eve. That's usually our first thing, like around three o'clock, and then we have something at on Tammy's side at night. Then we come here, you know, obviously sleep. Santa comes in the morning. For Paula, then we have a breakfast at my Uncle Paul's house. That's my mom's side of the family. And then we go to my dad's side of the family for like a middle little bit of time. And then we have the other side of Tammy's family at night. And then somewhere in those days, we find time to go to Tammy's parents' house for Christmas there, which is a huge deal because my in-laws spend a ton of money 
not only on me and Tammy, but also Paula. We get That's nice. a ridiculous amount of gifts over there. To this day, like last year, I got Saints sneakers, AirPods, wow. um, regular Pumas. I mean, they it's ridiculous. They're really generous on Christmas time. Like to see Steve Bennett, like a whole Saints warm ups, you know. With oh yeah, I get all kinds of Saints shit, everything. <laughs> so we do that, but um, it's exhausting, but a rewarding couple of days, and obviously Paula loves it. And like I think I said this earlier, I th- this year might be the peak of her. She's smart enough to enjoy it, but not too smart to poke holes in it. Yeah, Santa's Sam, Sam still alive and well. Mm-hmm. She understands everything really, really well, and why and. But she's not too smart to start saying, well, there's no way he could do that or this or that. So These are her memories she's making now that she could have a podcast in 35 years and talk about. You know, the really, I'm not trying to sure. make a joke out of that. Yeah. Real, true, important times. Like how these, how these memories stick with us. It's unbelievable. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I would do anything so. to go to the Feast of the Seven Fishes at my great-grandma's sister's house one more time. If for nothing else to like write those people's name and numbers down, yeah. <laughs> so I'd have them as an adult. So I have all this Italian family in Buffalo, and I don't know some in Staten Island. I know the people in Staten Island more. People in Buffalo, it's just a weird thing. But those now, older, really... older people keep things locked down and and keep it together, and then the kids don't do as good of a job for whatever reason. Yeah, for the next time you visit over here, me, uh, I'm right over the bridge from Staten Island. It's yep. a half-hour drive. So yeah, if, we'll go see if you ever find anybody, we could kill two birds, one stone. Well, I know the people there. We could definitely go oh, see Oh, those yeah. people you do know. Go okay. see Cousin Linda. But, um, hey, Linda. Really quickly, I wanted to ask you, too. Do you have a favorite Christmas like Christmas movie? Uh, Paula has been re- – Paula told us she, that they were in school. They were doing – questions going around the room and it was favorite christmas movie and she said she said eight bit christmas and nobody, it was good. nobody else knew what it was but yeah we loved it really i tried telling it. a few people about it besides me you and chet i got all no's but chet loves it we love it yeah That's all that matters right it's really fun it was, yeah it was good. probably the same as same plot as christmas story but so what yeah exactly like, every we single christmas, christmas story so every single christmas movie on hallmark channel is the same dumb plot what's the difference same thing. All right. What what's a movie or a show Christmas related that you have to watch every year? Oh, I'm gonna go in this direction with it. Uh, well, first of all, the cartoon. My whole family we love Frosty the Snowman. My auntie loved that. My sisters still love it. We always watch that. Classic. Um, yeah. So there's that. But movie wise, uh, somebody on Facebook just on Saturday, I was looking at my phone while I was in the um, Bergen Mall in Paramus, New Jersey, Christmas shopping. And uh, I looked at my sat down on the bench for a while. The rest looked at my phone, and someone said, "Better Christmas movie." Home Alone or A Christmas Story? And this is how I answered it. I said, hey, Nicole, Home Alone is the better movie by far, in my opinion. However, A Christmas Story is a better Christmas movie. You know what I'm trying to say? I could watch Home Alone in July. Christmas Story, I feel a a little weird watching it in July. But Christmas Story is my favorite Christmas movie. I know it's common, but that's the goat, man. That's that's the one go-to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Frosty, Christmas Story. I love Home Alone, but I could do Home Alone all year round. Home Alone 2, of course. Uh, probably not thinking of a few other things. Jingle All the Way with Arnold. That's a sleeper. National Lampoon is movie. one of my oh, favorites. Of course. Christmas Christmas, I, watched, yeah. I watched it twice already, of course. Yeah. Christmas Vacations right there. Uh, when I was sick, I just watched um, this This movie doesn't come anywhere near the other ones we, we mentioned. But I saw it the first time with Danny DeVito and uh, Ferris Bueller. Can't remember his real name. Matthew Broadwick. Yep. And uh, they were going back and forth, his neighbors fighting over Christmas lights and stuff. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. okay to watch when I was sick. 
And of course, right here on the 24 inch podcast, I do believe deep down in my heart that I am still the number one Hulkamaniac of all time. I have never seen Santa with muscles. I know it's it's panned by critics as one of the worst movies of all time. Critics mean zero to me, zero to Hollywood Dave. I form my own opinion, but I can never find that movie. It's never on TV. It's never on demand, not on Netflix. But uh, one time, I think at Walmart, like I was distracted by something else going on, but I saw it there. But I, I was distracted and I, I didn't get the DVD. I've never seen that. I mean, yeah, I've never seen it either. Probably not very good, but I'm not. I'm take. I will take my own opinion on it when I do see it someday. Duck the Halls was the movie that you were talking about with Davido yes, and Brother. Yes. Speaking of Christmas movies, that's what we're doing tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the match. And the movie, not necessarily a Christmas movie per se, uh, but a Christmas event. 1989, end of the year, uh, the movie had come out, and it was time for it to start making its run on cable and video and all that. And a really nifty promotion idea, which we're going to talk a lot about in the next segment, uh, but No Holds Barred was aired on pay-per-view, and they packaged it with a match, uh, a tag match in a steel cage, Hogan and Brutus Beefcake versus Macho Man and Zeus. We'll talk all about that in a few minutes, um, but that's what we're doing tonight. Before we get to any of that, um, we need to find out what Hulk was doing in December of 89. So here, here's the lineup. Let me give the lineup. Dave's going to tell us where Hulk is December of 89. Take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the movie. We'll give you some facts about the movie. No holds barred. Um, we'll go over that. And then we have seven or so discussion questions about the movie we're going to go over. And we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do the news from December of 89. And then we will talk about the match. And then after that, we'll be back with Paula. And we'll do emails and plugs. And we'll end the season that way. So before we can do any of that, let's finish this segment. So Dave, tell me where Hulk was. Do it for Mick, who loves this segment. Um, Where is Hulk in December of 89? All right, Mick, this one is dedicated to you, and I'd also like to dedicate it to his lordship, Richard Land and Graham Cawthorn, which uh, their great website, thehistoryofwwe.com, which helps me out doing this uh, bit here every time on a 24-inch podcast. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best. Uh, Let's start off December 8th, Nassau County Coliseum in Uniondale, Long Island, in front of 11,000 fans. Mr. Perfect goes over Hulk Hogan as a result of a countout. This is strange because uh, this is a Nassau match. Then they have the Garden match in January. So it's kind of like they started at Nassau and it's, it's spilled over into the Garden. Usually it's just a straight, you know, Garden run. So it's a little bit different there. December 9th, Springfield, Massachusetts in front of 5,800. We got a big matinee, Mr. Perfect over Hogan on a countout. December the 9th, Boston Garden, 8,700 fans, Mr. Perfect over Hogan on a countout. December 12th, Nashville, Tele- Nashville, Tennessee, the Municipal Auditorium. It's our big night. No Holds Barred, the match to movie, takes place during a wrestling challenge taping as Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake take on the Macho Man Randy Savage and the human wrecking machine Zeus inside of a steel cage. The next day, it's a big superstars of wrestling taping in Huntsville, Alabama at the Von Braun Civic Center. A big dark match, Hulk Hogan over the Macho Man Randy Savage in a steel cage match. Very cool. And I can't think off the top of my head a WWF cage match between the two of those other than this one. Am I having a little mishap in my brain here, Steve? No, I think you're good. No, right? Yeah, you're rolling. Yeah. 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 December 14th, Hamilton, Ontario, Cops Coliseum. Uh, some of these matches were taped for primetime wrestling with Gorilla Monsoon and Sean Moody on commentary. Uh, but this match was not shown anywhere. Mr. Perfect over Hulk Hogan as a result of a countout. December 15th, 
big Hogan city here in Montreal, Quebec at the Forum. Mr. Perfect over Hulk Hogan on a count out. The 16th, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Spectrum, 8,126. Not bad attendance, 8,126 at all, but it's not your usual 12,000 to 15,000 for Hulk matches. So a lot of times, a lot of people give say this Mr. Perfect run didn't work out. He was definitely not green. He was already an amazing wrestler from his AWA run, but it may have been a little, maybe a little early to start their run here uh, with Hulk. Maybe they should have waited for Mr. Perfect to not challenge Hulk and challenge Warrior for the world title. Eight months later, six, eight months later, in my opinion. But here it is, perfect over Hogan in the count out again in Philly. Uh, from Then the guys go on vacation, like I always say, that big Christmas vacation, week and a half they're off. They return to the road on December 26th. Uh, same result, Mr. Perfect over Hogan by either by a count out or a DQ happened between December 26th and December 28th with matinees and night shows in San Francisco, Sacramento, 13,000 fans in Los Angeles at the sports arena, and Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Why, why can't I say that? Minneapolis. <laughs> Minneapolis. December 29th, St. Louis, Missouri. Listen to this. 8,400 fans show up, but the Hulk Hogan-Mr. Perfect match does not happen. Hulk's, Hulk and the Warlord, their plane is di- diverted. I, don't, I guess they're on the same plane. Maybe not. Their plane is diverted to Memphis, Tennessee due to a bad snowstorm. As a result, uh, the card is still happens and they repackage a battle royal to be a main event and they offer refunds and a thousand people got refunds. Wow. That. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure they announced Hulk will be back in February or something like that, but I'm not sure. And finally, the last Hulk Hogan match of the 1980s, December 30th, 1989, Milwaukee, the Bradley center. Hulk loses his last <coughs> part of me, loses his last match of the eighties by a count out. To Mister Perfect, Steve, do you consider those count-out losses losses? Uh, yeah, the really? L's. You take the L. You get the losers' money. Yeah. You get the losers' yeah. money. But I mean, but you keep the belt. Keep... As long as you keep the belt, it's almost like a soft loss. Yeah, but the smarks that say Hogan never loses to anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are Mr. losses. Savage and per- Savage and Perfect have better records against Hogan than he has. You know, than yeah. he has on them because of all those countouts. It's just that in wrestling, not all losses are created equal. You know what I mean? That's it, so, man. I like but, it. Yeah, those are definitely losses. He took home the losers' uh, losers money that night. Losers' purse money, like Gino says. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it's the movie, No Holds Barred. Brother. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 years in the making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back for the last episode of the year. No holds barred. The match and the movie uh, tonight. We're talking about well. First in this segment, we're going to talk about the movie No Holds Barred, a nineteen eighty nine action film. 
produced by Michael Ratchmill, directed by Thomas J. Wright, and Richard, written by Dennis Hacken. Of course, it stars Hulk Hogan, who's also billed as an executive producer with Vince McMahon. Uh, it's owned by the WWE, or F at the time, under a Shane Distribution Company. Shane, of course, being named after Shane McMahon, I guess. The Shane yes. Distribution Company. And was released by New Line Cinema in the famous uh, opening screen with the um, the, the cut board um, on June yeah, se- 2nd. Fraud, Nightmare on Elm Street made them famous, yep. I believe. 6289, um, seven years uh, after Rocky Three, which was Hogan's first uh, starring role. Um, it made, its budget was $8 million or so. And it made 16. So a success in one hand in the sense that it didn't lose money. It made money in the long run, but probably not the hit they were hoping for. Very, very stiff competition that summer, 1989. Yeah. Batman, Ghostbusters 2, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, Uncle Buck. You go on and on. Some of the best movies, yeah, of all time. Of all time, yeah. Um, It was released, like I said, on June 2nd, 89. Um, The plot is... So we have Hulk Hogan, who's a man named Terry Boela, or Boela, Boela, Terry. Uh, (laughs) Terry is Hulk, who plays Rip, right? Kind of confusing. I never kind of understand why he was Rip. And if he was Rip, why the actor was Hulk and not Terry. Because the character was so much like Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? I had a problem with that as a kid. I just, I'm like, I want this just to be Hulk Hogan. I want yeah. to be a real American in Why the movie. Why wasn't it Hulk Hogan? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's, it, it's a little weird, but I mean, I guess like they're saying, you know, it is a movie, but Zeus is still Zeus. And yeah. He's WWF, he's Zeus. You know what I mean? So they didn't call Zeus Tiny Tom uh, Tommy Lester, Lister in the WWF. He was still Zeus. Whatever. But so, uh, so the basic plot is Rip Thomas is Hulk Hogan, right? He's the champion. He's the biggest thing. He's the main draw. And his appearances on network television has been a, f- a thorn in the side of Mr. Brell, Whoa, the head of the struggling character. world television network. While Rip is a huge rating, ratings draw, um, but WTN is the lowest network, so this becomes a conflict. And there's a setup. Zeus is, com- is, is asked to come in. Um, he's a ex-convict and a protege of Rip's trainer, Charlie. Um, Zeus wins a $100,000 tournament and becomes the prize fighter. And uh, we kind of go off from there. Um, You know, uh, like I said, okay movie. Here's what we thought we would do. Uh, Like I said, okay, so the movie debuted at number two behind Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, which nothing was beaten that that week. So that's not on them. Um, it was about an $8 million movie. Vince McMahon financed it and they made 16 in ticket sales. Um, Vince McMahon once famously joked, Hogan promised me that if the movie lost money. He was going to return his salary. I guess that checks in the mail, but I don't see how the movie yeah, lost no, money. It didn't. That's just like how Ho- McMahon said, Hogan said the wrong thing at his trial when Hogan really got him off. It's because Hogan was in the competition at yep, the time. Exactly. So what we're going to do is I put together like eight discussion questions about the movie. I'll throw them out there. Dave and I will answer them. We'll go through them one by one. we got a couple extras if we think we need them. 
and then we'll kind of sum up the movie at the end. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, number one, what do you remember about No Holds Barred being released in 1989? And what I mean really is, what were your thoughts leading up to it? Did you go see it? Where did you go see it? Who'd you go with? That kind of thing is what I'm getting at there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember being caught off guard during WrestleMania Five when they played the trailer and Jesse freaked out. I had no idea that was coming, and none of the older wrestling fans in my life had no idea either. So it was just like, what the hell is this? You know, you see the girl in the bra and everything. It just seemed like seemed like some kind of a weird dream you're having. But no, there it is. No Holds Barred coming out June 2nd, 1989. The WWF built it up on TV and built it up and built it up. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, I did see it. I thought I saw it on opening night, but I'm thinking more now it was the Saturday night, June 3rd. And I got together with my cousins, my best friend, Anthony Pagano, my auntie and Uncle Tito. We all got in cars. And went to uh, Seek August, New Jersey at the Lowe's Theater and saw it there. And I'll never forget, when we first walked in during the previews. We saw the preview for Nightmare on Elm Street 5. And me and my cousin Jackie were big uh, Freddy Krueger people at the time and still. And uh, that sticks in my head. And yeah, I, I remember liking the movie, but I was a little, I like it more now. I was a little like, hey, I was a nine-year-old kid and I wanted Hulk Hogan just to be a wrestler. Because my older cousins and all people say, oh, he's going to retire now. That's it. You know, he's going to become a movie star. And isn't it funny that adult wrestling fans now still act like I acted when I was nine? They don't want wrestlers doing outside things. They want wrestlers to be wrestlers and all that kind of thing. It's crazy to think that the fans have the the mindset of nine-year-old Dave Rollins not wanting Hulk Hogan to leave the WWF. That's crazy. Well, I remember being really excited for the movie. And uh, I mentioned before my parents were divorced, so I would spend Saturdays with my dad. And one of the things we very often did was go see a movie. And that was the plan for weeks was that my dad would pick me up on Saturday, June 3rd, and we would go see the Hulk movie. And I remember when every Friday in Buffalo, Buffalo News for years, it's Tuesdays now, but for years off Fridays, there was an insert in the paper called The Gusto. And it was like an entertainment guide to the city for the weekend. It'd have concert advertisements and articles about music and arts and it had the movie listings because you know there was no apps like fandango or whatever back then and i remember being super excited to get the paper and to find out where it was playing and what time and i remember calling my dad at work and it was playing at a theater on union road which isn't there anymore it was one of the last movies i ever seen there actually it closed pretty shortly after cool and uh, it was a general cinema which i don't even think general cinema exists at all anymore no. Um, and my dad picked me up and we went to the movie and we saw it. And I really like the scene with the toilets. Yeah. Like, you know, I guess scene. as a nine year old, that that's all that mattered to me. There was this hilarious thing with toilets and pee. Teeny wangers. Yeah. The, the potty humor was what got me and what I loved. And I, I liked it, but I think I liked it more because there was no way I wasn't going to like it. Like, the pride of it, I was never not going to run out of the movie and say anything other than that was awesome. Um, so that's what I did. You know, I was never going to say the Hulk Hogan movie was bad. Yeah, uh, no, I, not, not a chance in hell. Yeah, and yeah. I remember my dad not being quite as enthusiastic about it. But Yeah, but we, I, you know, I wasn't losing my mind over it like what one would expect either. I, I don't think I've seen it again until the this night, the match, the movie night. So Get out of here. Oh, yeah. I've seen it, yeah. No, I mean... I mean that all the way through. No, no, no. 
What I'm saying, oh, I get it now. I, I didn't now. see the movie a second time in the theater or anything. Like I seen Back to the Future two like six times in the theaters. Yeah, you know what I mean. I didn't go back to the theater to see this. The next time I seen it was the night of the pay per view match the movie. In yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. I think we have a theater in Kearney called the Lincoln Theater uh, right up the street from me. I think it closed down five years ago, maybe. So it lasted a really long time. Hometown theater. They at the time wouldn't get the movie on the night the night of the release. Maybe like three weeks later. I think I walked up with my next door neighbor Eric. And caught it. Uh, he was a few years older than me, so he, he was able. You know, I was only nine. He, he he could walk me to the movies. I think we watched it one more time okay. than before before the match the movie. I'm pretty sure we did that. So the second question is: Did you get the match the movie pay per view in December of '89? I sure did, and I got a big story behind it, brother. It was uh, two days, you know, after Christmas, obviously December 27th, and. Uh, I remember we. I just had gotten, um, you know, new Batman figures and stuff. And my friend Anthony and Ronnie Simone were over playing with the Batman figures. And we had macaroni and cheese for lunch. And we were going to watch the movie and the match at night. All of a sudden, something happened to Hollywood Dave Rollins. Wasn't feeling well. What is it all of a sudden with me being sick in this podcast? But I uh, wasn't feeling well. I had to go upstairs and tell my mom, I'm not feeling well. She took me to the bathroom and I puked that macaroni and cheese all in the toilet. I wouldn't eat. I love macaroni and cheese. I wouldn't eat it for at least a year, or until at least I threw up something else, and then wouldn't eat that. Whatever it was, replacing macaroni and cheese. Anytime we throw something up, I wouldn't eat that food again at the time. And I wasn't a big puker. It was like every two years. So I have a stomach virus. So the, the, my friends have to go home. Obviously, you know I can't be with them anymore. But I still got the 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 pay per view, and I remember laying down watching the movie. Then Uncle Tito came over for the match and I got super so pumped during the match that I forgot that I couldn't hold stuff down and I took a big swig of his soda and went running for the waste paper waste paper basket puked the soda right up and it was a big lay I was like starting to feel better even though I had an intestinal grip and couldn't hold anything down but like we laughed we actually laughed then you know and I think you know next day or two later I was okay, yeah. So, yeah, I got it. I remember being uh, really weirded out that there were pinfalls in this heel cage match. Yeah, because that was never really a thing in the WWF. It was always you had to get out. Yeah, the next night they had a – we had Madison Square Garden um, house show over here in New Jersey like we always did. And I watched that at MSG, and we had a big Piper Rude cage match. This is an awesome match, by the way. If anybody wants to check that out, December 28th, 89, MSG house show roddy piper against rick rude and there were pins in that one too uh i don't know and then they 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 got back away from that yeah something but, uh, they're experimenting with or whatever i, had the experiment. I don't I, I don't have an answer unfortunately of why <clears throat> but um i think actually pipe there were pins in it but piper actually left the cage to win but uh yeah i mean the, the match I, I you know i wasn't like worried the title wasn't on the line to tag match but i was pumped for it and you could tell that mcmahon on commentary said Straight up, you know, Hulk has put an end to Zeus. That's it for him. You won't be seeing him again. So he wrapped him up. And, of course, I don't know if you want to touch on this a little later uh, with, with, with the way these questions are going, but uh, the whole thing with the cable companies that Vince and Jesse kept pushing about them maybe not carrying No, you Rumble can throw 90. that in. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, that was like – it almost reminded me of the uh, Survivor Series 91 with Tuesday in Texas. This Tuesday in Texas. This Tuesday in Texas. All you care about. All they care about on this one is like, can you believe, Jess, that – the cable providers may not be carrying the Royal Rumble, and maybe not even WrestleMania six. And Jesse saying the First Amendment, 
blah, 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 blah. You know, they're all, they're going, they're, Jesse and Vince are agreeing, and they bring it up and bring it up. And then after the match, they're, they're doing interviews with Mean Gene. Hulk, Mean Gene interviews Hulk, starts talking about it. Hogan looks like he's about to cry, you know, about these, these cable companies, these no good cable companies. What the, Well, anyway, what the story really was is that uh, the cable company's viewer's choice, that's what we had here, uh, that's what, where the pay-per-views came through and sold them to your cable provider. So I had Comcast, but we didn't get the, the pay-per-views through Comcast. It would, the channel would switch over to Viewer's Choice for the wrestling, and I believe the Tyson fights, too, and whatnot. And uh, Vin, they would take 10% of the, the earnings from the WWF, and Vince wanted that lower. He wanted to try to figure out a way to go right through the cable companies, but that didn't happen. So what ends up happening, they kind of get into uh, not a pissing match, but uh, like a game of chicken. They say who's going to give up first. And Vince, Vince surrendered first and kept the deal with the ten, giving them the 10%. It was getting too close to the Royal Rumble. Or, you know, we wouldn't be able, we wouldn't be able to see the Royal Rumble or, or WrestleMania right. in 1990. Would have been insane. But all this is the piece of the puzzle that came, you know, how many years later, 25 years later or whatever it is for the WWE ne Network. Vince kind of figure out a way to get away from these pay-per-view people and have the whole profit, you know, for, for the WWE itself. But yeah, they were, they were really shoving that down the throat. I remember call, I remember the, we, we use viewers choice, but I remember calling of course, and they said, you know, don't worry, it'll be on. So I don't know if the per person was just being, uh, was just saying that to me or not, but, uh, it was on. All right. Number three and four kind of go together. Cause we kind of been, and we kind of discussed them. Number three was, what was your thoughts on the movie when you seen it in 89? We both kind of said that. Yeah. How, what, how did you think about the movie? Did you watch it for this? I, I watched it earlier this week or whatever the last time you watched it was. How do you feel about it now, all these years later in retrospect, based on your whatever your most your recent viewing is? I watched it last night, and I planned on stopping it and going to do something and coming back. I watched it all the way through. I, I was into it. I like it. I, uh, unfortunately for Hulk, I love the parts that he's not in. The Battle of the Tough Guys is so amazing. It's so 80s. A lot of people even say that it kind of innovated the, the UFC a little bit. I don't know if I could agree with that or not, but that's been said. There's so many wrestlers in that. You know, Stan Hansen is, is the main guy. Uh, teeny wangers that he says to Unger and uh, Ordley, you know, uh, um, Mr. Brell's, uh, you know, his lackeys. You know, and now that I think of it, Mr. Brell with his lackeys, Unger and Ordley, the teeny wangers, they kind of remind you a little bit of Mr. McMahon and Patterson and Briscoe in the Attitude Era, huh? Yeah. Vince might have brought them in. Vince might have, you know, some stuff from this movie might creep back up on him a little bit in the McMahon brain there. But anyway, yeah, I love that scene, the Battle of Tough Guys. I just want to run down the wrestlers that are in it. Sure. Dan Hansen is that is that main guy there. Uh, the ultimate uh, solution, the ultimate solution from uh, the Doomsday Cage match when Zeus came back to WCW, he's one of the guys. Um, Sunny Beach, WWF uh, kind of enhancement guy, Sandy Beach, Sunny Beach, the Duke of Dorchester, Pete Doherty is Klondike spraying the stuff. Mr. Brell said, "Keep this guy away from me." Uh, the Headbanger, Josh LeDuc, big Montreal professional wrestler star, is in the Battle of the Tough Guys. Hopefully, I'm not for forgetting about anybody. But yeah, nice group of wrestlers there. It's too bad that the guys working uh, for the WWE weren't involved with it. The only person working for the WWE that was involved with it was Demolition Axe, Jake Bullet. At the beginning of the movie, the first guy Hulk wrestles when the movie starts is Jake Bullet, and that's Bill Eady, Demolition Smash. And Bill Eady said that it was originally Demolition Axe. I'm sorry, my apologies. It was originally supposed to be Demolition Smash, 
But uh, Hulk, since he worked with Mass Superstar back in the day, who is Axe, was more comfortable having it be an Axe. So Axe actually was pissed because if Smash was doing the movie and gone for three days, that means Axe would come off the road, WWF road, and be home for three days with his family. So it got switched. Smash got to go home three days with his family. And Axe did the movie. And uh, they said they did it in, like, one take. So Axe got to go home anyway for two days. Not the whole three days. But Axe told a funny story on a Hannibal shoot that um, his parents went to see the movie, to see him. You know, their son's going to be in a yeah. major movie. And um, they're in the theater, and they get there on time. They get through the whole movie. They don't recognize him. And then they, they still see Bill Eady on the credits at the end. They're in a small town theater, so they they just stayed in their seats and watched the movie come on again. You know, twenty minutes later, and then they, they realized it was Axe at the beginning of the movie. I think that's that's an amazing story. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, one. Yeah, I, I I didn't even realize it was him until you know quite quite some time later. I think the difference between now and then is I think then I just pretended to like it whether I did or didn't, and now I kind of take it for what it is. It's pretty cool. It's okay. You know, it's not the greatest movie I've ever seen. It's not as bad as some people say it is. No. I enjoyed watching it. It's fine. There's some funny parts. It's a it's a it's a fine movie. And I, I like B movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kinda yeah. like a B movie. I like the USA up all night. You gotta know what you're watching. You yeah. can't have that mindset where you're looking for an Oscar movie when you're watching a B movie. Yeah, it's you not good, fellas. It. It's not good. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta take it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. If you're watching a Saturday morning cartoon, you're not watching The Sopranos. You're watching a Saturday morning cartoon. You know what I mean? Sure. You got to weigh out weigh out these things. And just people that think they're smarter than everybody else and think they know everything, they don't do that for some reason. Everything sucks. Everything's bad. You know, whatever. All right. This is one you kind of touched on in a way. I was wondering if after watching No Holds Barred in 89, did you want Hulk to do more movies? And, and well, let me go first yeah. on this one. And sure. I did not because... We were talking about it in school one day. Um, I guess it must have been when school started in September. What did you do this summer? Or maybe, you know, maybe it was June 2nd. So you're probably still in school. So I went to school. And my one friend, for whatever reason, was smart to the idea that Hulk had missed time on TV because of this. And he was saying to everyone, you remember when Hulk wasn't on much? Because after he lost the belt or after Mania or whatever, you know, he... Yep. He's like, it's because they were doing. He was doing this movie, and I remember taking that to heart and just be- telling my dad, like, I hope he doesn't do any more movies because I wanted Hulk to be a wrestler. I didn't care about the movies. I wanted him in the ring. You know, he was my wrestling hero. I was perfectly fine with going to see Big and Back to the Future and Karate Kids and whatever else I went to see in those years. I didn't need Hulk at the movies. I needed him in the ring. So I very much, after this movie, soured on Hulk's movie career. Yeah, you, you said it all. I agree 100% with that. 110%, I agree. Although, of course, I would have to still see the movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Suburban Commando I mean, if came he out made them, he made them. Sixth grade. But yeah, I just preferred he didn't. Yeah, because I didn't want him to, to retire from wrestling. Like As I got older, I started to, to realize it, you know, that it's a good thing that, you know, that, that he's doing that. That's what the fans can't understand today. You know, when it, when a guy leaves for a little while and comes back, hey, part-timers, wah, 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 and all, you know. <laughs> you know, my nine-year-old had thought that way, guys. Think about that. Um, was Zeus a good foil for Rip in the movie, or do you think they should have used someone from wrestling? If so, who? Like, 
should King Kong Bundy have been in the movie or Andre the Giant or whoever? What do you think? Or do you think it was smart to use an actor and make him a wrestler? Or do you think, like Hulk, they should have used another wrestler? All right, well, they could have gotten away with a wrestler because Zeus really didn't have many lines, acting lines or anything like that. But he was such a great character actor. I'm happy they went with, with Zeus because then they, could, they brought him into wrestling. He's somebody completely fresh that no, nobody knew. You know, if they used like a Bundy or something or something like that, everyone would have known, oh, that's King Kong Bundy. He already fought Hulk. If they were going to use a wrestler, it would have been someone that hadn't been in the WWF or at least not in a long time. So it's a fresh person. But I think they, I think they went the right, the right route using a, uh, a Hollywood, Hollywood actor. Yeah. I think what would have been cool is if they could have got someone to jump. Like, I don't know, help me out. Maybe one of the Russians in the NWA, quote unquote. You know, or. Yeah, someone like that, or Lex Luger, or. If they could have got someone not as familiar to the WWF audience that was either in WCW or one of the other promotions at the time. Yeah. Uh, then they could have had a better wrestling run with it. Yeah, then what I, you're I th- to say. Yeah, yeah, what I'm trying to say. I think it would have failed if they would have brought a familiar WWF wrestler in to play the foil. Someone that either Hulk had already feuded with or like one man gang would have failed or, you know, Andre the Giant wouldn't have worked because we've seen that in wrestling. <laughs> that funny. Right. But I think it could have been worked better if they could have found a wrestler. Imagine, imagine Andre in the Battle of Tough Guys scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that right in my head. So, yeah, maybe but, like uh, someone like Nikita uh, Koloff or, um, you know, Dr. Death Steve Williams. Where's he in his career in 89? I don't know. Yeah, th- then someone the, like that. Then you know. You're making awesome, valid points here because then they could have brought that to WrestleMania 6. Yeah, they, it would have been better that way. That's my thought. All right. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives the movie. 10% from the critics, 10% rotten, I guess, and 30% rotten for the audience. Out of five stars, how many do you give No Holds Barred? Well, as I said before, I sour on any kind of critic, even if it's about a rock and roll album, anything. If they say one way, I go completely the other. I hate it. I have a friend, I won't say his name, but he lives and dies. Oh, let me see the reviews first. I'm like, brother, brother, come on, form your own opinion. I hate, hate, hate that. That's just my personal opinion. So rotten tomatoes, whatever the hell you are, rotten apples, sour apples, mean nothing to me. Uh, but no, this is not the greatest movie. Like we said, it is, it is a B movie, but I do enjoy it. And with age, as an adult, I really get a kick out of it, especially those battle of the tough guy scenes. A lot of stuff, you know, and then thinking that Vince McMahon wrote this, you know what I mean, coming from his head and relating it to wrestling. Uh is there three quarters, uh, two and three quarter stars? I'll give it if that's allowed. If not, if that's not allowed, then I'll go three. I'm right with you. Two and three quarters yeah. sounds great. Perfect yeah. explanation. Thank you. All right. Rumors say Vincent Hulk spent a night rewriting the ending and Hulk figured it out on the toilet. Thoughts on the ending and how would you have ended it? Well, figure out in the toilet probably is true because apparently they're doing a little uh, white powder there and that usually is cut with some baby laxative, brother, so it goes right through you. So you spend some time <laughs> on the toilet. Um, yeah, and uh, do, I'm sorry, throw that question about at me one more time. What do you think of the ending that they came up with, the ending of the movie, okay. and would you have ended it any differently? Uh, the ending, you know, again, it's a B movie. You knew you knew that even as a kid, you knew, you know, Hulk's going to somehow kill, and he kills Zeus, and this is being promoted to kids. You think Zeus is dead there. I don't know. Did you want to go the route where they become friends at the end? Eh, 
I don't know. No, Maybe. I might have just ended it like a Hulk match. Like, I yeah. would have loved to see it end with a body slam and a leg drop and a one, two, three, and he embarrasses the guy and kicks him out, and Hulk, Hulk must pose on the movie. So, no, you are right. You're all right, LaRusso. Nothing like that. Nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. No. Nah. Yeah. No, nah. they couldn't. You know why they couldn't? What am I saying? They couldn't do that because they're bringing the angle over to WWF. Right. So they can't. But they although can't they did like literally kill him and still brought him back. So I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, but making him a good guy is worse than killing him. Yeah. Remember what happened, remember what happened with the big show in Halloween Havoc 95? <laughs> yeah. He was killed too and came back. All right. Very last thing. Is No Holds Barred your favorite Hulk movie? And if not, what is? I think it's. I used to say no. I like Mr. Nanny. I don't know why. I like that movie. I think it's a cute little kid movie. That is a kid movie. And they got like the Home Alone gags in it and all. I think that Mr. Nanny is still going to win. That's a fun little movie. But I, but no holds barred. Each and every time I watch it, I like it more and more. So the quick caveat is, are we throwing Rocky Three out? Oh, yeah. Well, he, that's not a starring role. Not a Hulk, Hulk movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So not not all movies Hulk's in, just movies that are actually Hulk movies. That's what as I like. And in that case, the answer's totally changed in the Paula era because Paula and I started watching these, and she loves Mr. Nanny, and I love it with her. And I it's love to watch movie. it with her. It's a lot of fun. Hulk's in a tutu, which is amazing. And it's a, it's a repeat of a plot, but it's a, it's a worthwhile plot. Um, it's really easy. It's short. It's digestible. The great Sherman Helmsley is in it. George yep. Jefferson. And I like I like um, Suburban Commando too. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, no, yeah, good. Not as good as Mister Nanny, but it's good too. I I, I prefer I prefer those two over No Holds Barred for whatever reason. That's just the lightheartedness of them. Yeah. If Hulk yeah. Hogan isn't going to be Hulk Hogan, I'd rather just see him be something different. Yeah, Mr. Nanny's the best one. That's the best movie. But yeah, you know, I would show that movie just to a random, you know, random kid or it's gonna work. That movie's gonna work. All right. That takes care of the movie. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna read the news and we're gonna do the match, brother. You ready, Dave? Ready to rock and roll. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Twenty-four inch podcast. We are back. Two more segments to go in season one, and for the very last time in season one, Dave, buckle in because it's time to read the news. December of 1989, Dave, the last month of the decade, and we start on December 1st, and Mark Langston signs a record $3.2 million free agent contract with the Angels, so $3.2 million was record money for baseball in 1989, much different. Yeah, it doesn't sound like much nowadays. Uh, December 1st, U.S. President Mikhail Gorbachev 
Meet USSR, USSR president. Yes, what did I say? <laughs> USA. USA. USSR, of course, the <laughs> USSR president. Mikhail Gorbachev meets Pope, Pope John Paul II at the Vatican, and the Pope asks him if he can try to rub that thing off his head. <laughs> Say a couple prayers for that, you know, some skin prayers. Gorbachev's starting to become the star of our news. No taking, kidding. Uh, this Cold War Cold... stuff, man. Yeah, Ooh. Wayne Gretzky's got to take a back seat. He's going to be back in one second, too. Uh, <laughs> December 2nd, the 55th Heisman Trophy Award. Which is the award for what, Dave? What do they give the Heisman Trophy Award for, out for? That is a football uh, trophy for the uh, linebacker. No, the best college player. Oh, never mind. The What's best... the one for the linebacker? Uh, that's called the Buckus. Uh, Dick Buckus. Uh, but the Heisman Trophy Award was given to a quarterback from Houston, who I'm not even going to attempt to have you guess because he was a bust in the NFL, essentially a nobody. Andre Ware won the Heisman. That year. Also, the team of the Andre the Giant, Coco Beware's ill-fated tag team. Yes, yes. It's the son of Coco. Uh, yeah, I said the Heisman Award. I'm a little upset for myself not knowing that. Yeah, I, that's a big. No, I know, I know what it is. I know the name. I don't know. For some reason, I was thinking it was in the NFL. Our boy is back, December third. Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev and U.S. President George H.W. Bush declare that the Cold War is over. Finito. Leading to the face turn of dear friend of ours, Nikolai Volkov. That's, peace. that's right. Uh, December 6th, uh, something that is very much beautifully documented in the Netflix series Narcos. Uh, Mafia drug kingpin, who of course was, um, uh, what's his name, Dave? Why am I thinking of, not thinking of the main man's name there? He bombs the security force at Bogota and kills 52. Um, wow! Help me out. Who's the main man in Colombia? The drug guy. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, I can't think of it either. God damn Off it! Top of my head. Um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Everyone right now screaming at their podcast yeah. players. My uh, you guy I work in Korea with always talking about him. You idiots! You got to look it up. Yeah, and he's got the great meme now from Narcos too, where he's sitting in his backyard all by himself. Yeah. Notorious drug king peen of course was uh it's almost from colombia he blows up the plane he's a very ba- bad man pablo escobar pablo escobar, pablo escobar. <laughs> wow we are idiots Ah, <laughs> uh, dave you had to have my back on that one uh, well sometimes you know if you're not even if you're not thinking of the person in a long uh. time I don't know how neither of us could get Pablo Escobar off the tip of our tongue. Um, All right. December 9th. Got to have one. Les Miserables opens at the Princess Theater in Melbourne. This guy covers theater around the world. Yeah. When do they ever come happy? Because each and every show, they're less miserable. True. True. Uh, December 13th. Driving Miss Daisy. Um, starring Morgan Freeman and Jessica Tandy is released. Never saw it, but I definitely remember when it was out. You ever see it? Best Picture winner. I did. I one time I watched all the best Best Picture winners in the '90s. I think it's the first one. Oh, my my best friend pi- that that loves uh, reading reviews will probably enjoy that day with you. Yeah, the the the, the '90s. Um, okay, big day, big 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 pop culture event here. December 7th. I hope they're right. I pray to God they're right about this one. This is big. The Simpsons premieres on Fox TV 
They're right. As a full animated series with the episode Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire. Yeah, like I said, my, my dad played uh, Santa Claus in the church. It would be a Sunday night. And when we came home, this was on. The Simpsons. And I'd, you know, I'd never seen them before. They were on the Tracy Ullman show as like a skit, I believe. Yeah, initially. Before this. Yep. Yeah, and then this is when they got Santa's little helper, the dog. And all that kind of things. A great episode. the very first one. After it came Married with Children, where Santa Claus fell in their backyard. That's a great episode, too. And then The Simpsons didn't, you know, it's not like this was just a debut of it and it came back on the next week. It didn't start up again, I believe, until the spring okay. with, uh, with new ones. So you had this as like a one off. I'm not even a big Simpsons fan. I was for the first couple of years of it. Uh, you had this as a one-off, and then it then it came back in the spring. Yeah, I remember it well. Do you remember the Bart Simpson shirts that had the? Oh, oh, oh yeah, that was a dream school, of mine to get one. Said, yeah, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? They yeah, you home from school. I had a bunch of them, and then the corner store over here it was called Elm Deli at the time. Started selling them. A deli was selling them, and they weren't like the original macaroni ones. And Anthony Pagano, who I mentioned all the time. Got a big kick of it. They were only like four dollars, so you'd have like your lunch money and stuff. And I had to have like every single one of them. They'd all be like down to my knees. <laughs> yeah. December eighteenth, the I Love Lucy Christmas episode is shown for the first time in thirty years on network TV. I wonder why that is because um, I Love Lucy was on TV, uh, yeah. you know, in reruns on Fox Five here. Yeah, the in, Christmas in New York. special. Maybe it was they specifically mean on network TV. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, December 19th, Larry Bird begins an NBA free throw streak of 71 games without missing a free throw. Seems My man. Crazy. Um, U.S. troops invade Panama and oust Manuel Noriega. Panama. But do not catch him. Um, it was running a little bit hot that night. <laughs> running uh, a little hot in here. I yeah, the troops the could barely see the road because of the heat coming off of it. But um, wild event there. Um, December 22nd, the Republic of Chad in Africa adopts its constitution. Very proud of them. Also on nice December summer. 22nd, a cold wave. My, this is our Fahrenheit temperatures. Minus 6 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Minus 12 in Pittsburgh. Minus 18 in Denver. Minus 23 in Kansas City. Minus 42 in Nebraska. Minus 47 in Montana. And minus 60 in Black Hills, oh, South Dakota. My goodness. I couldn't even. I, I don't know how. You people do it. We're, we're cold here in New Jersey, but when it gets to zero, zero wind chill, I can't take it. Imagine this. Yeah. Eesh. That's wild Not weather. That's some really cold weather. I remember growing up as a kid, we would get cold days, um, but it was always because of wind chill factor, not the temperature itself. It'd be because with the temperature being minus eight and the wind chill, it'd take it to minus 30. And they wouldn't let us go on the bus stops or anything, and they cancel, yeah. cancel school. But Forget about putting your tongue up against a pole like in Christmas door. You probably couldn't even touch metal with your hand. You'd be stuck to it. Yeah, poor Flick. Or have, have burns. Yeah, poor Flick. Legendary Flick. Good old Flickster. I was going to try to attempt to see what the weather was like in Buffalo here, but I can already tell it's going to be uh, more trouble than it's going to be worth. Um, December 24th, Panama dictator Mel Noriega is, seeks asylum at the Vatican Embassy. Uh, who All knows right. how that worked out for him? Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Uh, Leonard Bernstein conducts Beethoven Symphony 9 in East Berlin to celebrate the fall of the Berlin Wall. Broadcast worldwide to an audience of 100 million. 
Isn't that what they say in that R.E.M. song? It's the end of the world. Leonard yeah. Bernstein. Da, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you are right. Well, we had the Balloon Dior last time. We'll have it again this time, December 26th. For the second time, Milan's 1-2-3 in the order, and the Dutch striker Marco Van Basten is the second um, best football player in Europe. Ahead of Franco Barisi and Frank Rijkaard. Um, earthquake on December 28th. Earthquake! In Australia, 11. A lot of, what's it with 1989 and earthquakes? You got the uh, Oakland Athletics yeah. the Giants. Mm-hmm. You got the earthquake in the WWF debuting. And now we have this. Now we have some fun, Dave. December 29th. All the last, all the last quarter of 89, too. December 29th. The Associated Press names the athletes of the decade, male and female. Who was the male athlete of the decade named by the okay. Associated Press, Dave? Well, it can't be Jordan yet, right? It's not Jordan. But it is in that level of athlete. Well, let's go with our guy, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Very good, Dave. All right. Basically, your first guess. Well done. That's impressive. Impressive. Yeah. Well, it would have been Jordan, but Jordan was like 90, 91, was like when he really, 92, when he really started to, to come big, right? When right. In the 80s. Yep. Yeah. Late 80s more. What about fe- female athlete of the year? Well, that narrows it down to what sports? Well, it's a tennis player. I guess I can okay. tell you that. No. Ah, yeah, I'm not going to know that, brother. We're just going to waste time. We've mentioned her many times on here. Martina oh, Narvatilova was the Okay. Yeah. And each time now, do, I'm do, disgusted do you, you don't know who she is. Do you agree with them being the... Uh, well, Gretzky, I think, is a no-brainer. Yeah. And um, sure, no problem with Martina. Probably yeah, probably well des- I don't think it's a lot of debate there. You could gotcha. maybe look at Larry Bird or Magic Johnson. You could maybe look at... Tyson? You could look at Tyson, sure. You could look at um, who else? I'm trying to think. Football, Joe Montana, maybe. Yeah. Jerry Rice. But I think nobody quite dominated their sport the way Gretzky did. Wayne Gretzky. In the 80s. I mean, he scored 92 goals in 1982 and had over 200 points. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Wow, wow, wow. Records to this day. A big day on December 30th for the United Negro College Fund as they raised $12 million. I don't hear about that as much anymore. I used to always hear about that charity as a kid. I don't yeah. hear it mentioned yeah, much. Know. I wonder if it's still out there. December 31st, jockey Kent DeSormo sets the record with 598 wins in a year. How the hell did this guy race in over 600 horse races in one year? That's bad ridiculous. For the horse. Hope, no, I had to be a change, different horse. Hope they change the shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'm kidding. Uh, it had to be. I mean, yeah. how many races a day is that? That yeah, seems Pio like Mai obs- is alive. God bless Pio Mai. And then, of course, Dave, on December 31st at 11.59, the end of the 1980s. Technically. A sad minute. Technically, because 1990 and 91 are still the 80s, kind of like how 1980 and 81 were still the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, sure. With style and pop culture and that kind of thing but technically yes you're correct it is the end of the 80s i remember the thing i remember most about that new year's eve is the feeling of oh my god i'm alive in a second decade it was a big deal you know i my whole life was in the 80s and now it was going to be in another 
decade. So Yeah, man. And that is the news for December of 1989. The news. All right. One more piece of business. One more Hulk match for season one. And it's a match that was recorded at a wrestling challenge taping on December 12th at the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. I wonder if there are people in Nashville who ordered this and were bummed out to find out it was a match they saw. Wow, that's incredible to think that. Yeah, I never thought of that because it probably, I don't know if it was announced. Well, Sean Mooney did go in the ring before it was cutting promos. They might have said they were taping it for something, but you could yeah, easily like get, pumped up. get disconnected from that. I don't know. Especially a kid. Yeah, it becomes part of the WWE Super Tape compilation. Um, so it's on Super Tape if you would like to watch it. Um, obviously, it aired December 27, 1989. And uh, basically, um, the main event is Hogan and Zeus on opposite teams. Hogan's got his back up in Beefcake. Uh, Zeus is teaming with Savage with Scary Sherry in the mix. Uh, they've been interti- intertwined in a feud since the summer. Uh, Zeus made several appearances. It cut promos saying that um, basically he's going to kill Hogan. Uh, kind of like Hogan killed him in the movie. Um, and I remember the <laughs> stew, like Sensational Stare was making some kind of stew in a big Cauldron. pot. Yeah. yeah, I think that was SummerSlam. Right? <laughs> but close enough. Uh, well, I'm just talking about the feud in general, so I'm not so sure I'm go. wrong Yeah, that she was doing that. Um, and, of course, they beat him at SummerSlam. Um, and now here we are um, at this match. No hold bar the match the movie so uh good heat for sure um some notes here we want to thank justin rosario and the guys over at um place to be nation and north south connection just saves me from having to do what he does here which is essentially jot down the play-by-play so here it is thanks courtesy of uh jason savages in swank purple uh wild feel rare tornado style wwf tag match Zeus is out of his element and doesn't have Savage to help him along. He has to keep going. Zeus has his power to keep them at bay so Savage can try to get out. Sherry is such a champ. He finds a way to be involved despite the cage. She is great in this for sure. Uh, Savage and Zeus take turns double teaming each guy. Hogan uh, back suplex Zeus off the cage and a big spot in the match. Cool bit where all four were wiped out and crashed on the mat. Sherry takes out the ref and climbs. The cage and gives a chain to Savage. Savage uses a chain and then him and Beefcake dual climb while Zeus stands around like an idiot. Hogan hulks up and beats on Zeus while Beefcake knocks Savage down and escapes. Savage is all bloodied and he crawls out of the cage, which Beefcake helps him do, but then spikes him into the cage. Hogan slams Zeus and Beefer comes back, but Hulk sends him back out so he can finish this on his own. It's his battle, brother. Hulk does his usual and hits the three leg drops on Zeus, covers him, and the ref comes in and counts the fall to a huge pop. Um, this is Justin's opinion here at the end. Paint by numbers cage match. Quick and to the point. Good feud finisher and nice savage blood spot. Zeus was all right and hid well enough, but you could tell he didn't have much else to give. Fine enough to sell as a combo. Two and a half stars is the opinion of Justin Rosaro from the place to be nation, but that's the rundown of the match here. Dave, your thoughts. Yeah. Justin's pretty much spot on. Uh, in my opinion here, I agree with him. 
Uh, yeah, it's definitely quick and to the point. Uh, the one thing with uh, there's pi- there's pinfalls in this cage match, which came out of nowhere, and Brutus leaving Hulk in there. And even though Hulk did tell him to leave, with Macho and Zeus kind of scared me because now they you know they could double team him and they could pin him. It's not like they just have to escape. They both had to get get out now. They could they could pin him, so that got a little dangerous. But Brutus ended up pulling Macho Man right out, so uh, he got Hulk out of harm's way pretty quick. And uh, yeah, this this feud definitely needed to blow off because of Survivor Series. Zeus got his heat back from SummerSlam with uh, working over Hogan in the Survivor Series match and manhandling him and getting disqualified. Uh, yeah, paint by numbers, pretty good. I love Sherry's interaction, giving Macho the change. Sherry is such a great <clears throat> underrated oh, she's for awesome. so long. Mm-hmm. She's she's getting the re- the response she deserves now from from fans now in hindsight. But back at that time, she she was underrated. What an amazing manager bumping manager just like bobby heenan you know what i mean bobby heenan in the skirt uh, that's probably what he would actually say <laughs> but uh what yeah, wrestlers I mean, do we know of had her uh well flair for actually, sure right yeah i mean none of none of it could be for sure well you we know, know I mean? well no flair is pretty confirmed right i'm not sure about that but i thought they both have talked about have they i never heard her okay all right I can't trust him but somebody somebody had a uh, the wrestling collector at a signing, just a random fan, told me that she had a uh, threesome with the British Bulldog and Sid. Oh. <laughs> I got a big kick out of that. <laughs> Probably not true. If if anybody in Sherry's family happens to be listening to this, we don't mean it like that. It's just it's just wrestling t- wrestling talk. So who knows? But that's it. That's what I was told there. Imagine but, uh, actually, if we got hate mail from someone in Sherry's family for yeah, you, you never know. That'd be actually, amazing. someone I've heard in a couple different places that Hulk actually dated her pre WWF. Yeah. When uh, Hulk and Brutus were actually getting into the business, you know, he should have went so for you, her. They were like that a little skunk idol. Linda. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And then, uh, uh, you know, I don't know about Harlem Heat or HBK or any of these guys, but yeah, Flair's probably, probably true. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I thought for some reason that was very confirmed. I even thought I saw a picture of her, like I mean, just in his, just in his robe or something. Yeah, like yeah, that that pic, that picture is out there. I mean, it just could have got gotten by me. I've definitely seen the picture. Okay. I used to think she was when I was a kid. I thought she was married to Rick Martel. I think a lot of people thought <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I did. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I. Yeah. Or, you know, I thought brother and sister. I think. Or that. Yep. Yeah, I think that was my thought. I thought they were brother and sister. I remember kind of being ma- really matter of fact about it at the lunch table in school. Like, oh yeah, telling all the boys, you know, like I had the info that the, oh yeah, it's it's uh, Rick Martel's sister, especially if someone's dad told him. My they're, dad told me they're, this. They're both from Montreal, you know, like yeah, yeah. they like come they the, come from Canada. Ghostbusters too, when that kid says, "My dad says you guys are full of crap." Yeah, or, that's uh, actually that's actually Ivan Reitman's son who made the new uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Or like, um, well, we were just talking about the movie earlier. Um, uh, Toy Story, where uh, that's why Flick gets his tongue on the thing. Cause Christmas the, Story, yeah, or, yeah, because the dad's the dad said it. And that's like, right. You and your that's old right. man are full of shit, or whatever he says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, all right, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna give it two and a half stars for the match, and then I'm gonna give Sherry a quarter. So I'm gonna jo- I'm gonna go two point seven five for this one. Um, giving a quarter to Sherry herself, and this is relative to Hulk matches. Um, not relative to all matches. Um, it's an okay cage match for Hulk. Brutus doesn't add much. Um, there's better 
macho and Hulk matches and standoffs oh, yeah. and feuds. And Zeus is a nothing. But they pull it off. Um, and I enjoyed it at the sleepover. I don't even know if I ended up telling the story earlier. Well, I don't, no, I don't think you did. Yes, I, I must have missed it. But, yeah, so it was vacation week. Um, and I had a friend who had a cheater box. And I watched WrestleMania 4 and WrestleMania 5 there. And he had a sleepover that night at his house. Um, and we watched the match in the movie at his house, sleepover, cheater box. And we all popped hard for Hogan went in and enjoyed it and had a fun night. And we're up all night and getting in trouble for playing mini sticks at like 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever. Nothing but, like those memories. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, 2.75 for me, Dave. I'm going to go three. Uh, it's nowhere near as good as Hulk's other large-scale cage matches with Boss Man, with Mr. Wonderful, even with Bundy. Uh, it doesn't relate to those. It's dead last when it comes to Hulk's large-scale WWF televised cage matches. But I'm still going to go three for the memorableness of it and how I got sick that day and me throwing up at the end of the match and me and my Uncle Tito laughing about me throwing up during it, forgetting that I had a stomach virus. Was bummed out that my friends couldn't watch it with me because I was sick. But those memories, things like that, last forever. And for the memory aspect of it, it bumps it up to, to, to three stars. I like how Hulk had to drop three leg drops on Zeus. One wasn't just enough for the human wrecking machine. You never really saw Hulk do stuff like that. So three three big legs on Zeus. Three stars, one away. for each leg drop. You know there what? you go. I and, like it. And what you said about the memories, like that's what this show's all about, right? That's why we read the news and why we do all these things. Because it's really about looking back at this era of our lives and glorifying it. But A simpler time. All right. One segment left, Dave. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the beautiful Paula Bennett is going to join us. And we are going to read emails and close out the season of the 24-inch podcast. You ready, brother? Hasta la vista. Ready to go. All right. Let's take a break. We do have some plugs. Good job, Paula. The very last segment of season one. Here we go. Don't forget you can find this episode and every single episode of the first season of the 24-inch podcast on our SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters. You can also find the 24-inch podcast on Instagram at the number two, the number four, underscore, inch, underscore, podcast. You can find us on Twitter at the number two, the number four, underscore, or no underscore, just the number two, the number four inch podcast on that one. You can email us at two four inch podcast at gmail.com. And you can join our Facebook group by searching 24 inch podcast, clicking on groups and asking to join on there. 
Don't forget to check out the Sportscasters podcast season finale for that as well this week, featuring interviews with John Wertheim and comedian Jim Florentine, another Jersey guy. Uh, you can find that at sports underscore casters on Twitter for information about that. The podcast in general, you can find an any pod catcher you can think of by searching for the Sportscasters, and that will get you this podcast and the Sportscasters. 24-inch and Sportscasters together on the podcatchers. Now, next year, starting in 2022 at some point, we're going to have a splash website for the 24-inch podcast that you can go directly to and that will link you to these spots. So that wow. will get easier then. Yes, Paula? Um, I also have some plugs. Okay, hold on. Let me finish mine, okay? And then I'll give them to you. Uh, don't forget to check out Greetings from Allentown. Um, our friend Peter Winston at GF Allentown Pod. Dave, has he said if there's going to be any more episodes of the regular show this year or not? Well, since I've been, uh, I was out of work a few days sick last week, and now I'm on vacation, so I'm a little behind on some of my podcasts. Oh, okay. So I do not know that. Well, I don't know that you're behind on that one, because there hasn't been many episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the latest one that I know of was the Greetings from Allentown Live with him and Keithy on a movie. I forget what movie, though. It was Casino. Casino was the last one. Okay, I thought there was maybe one after that. but Casino, man. Anyway, at Jeff Allentown Pod, get all the information on. Peter and Keithy's work there. Uh, all right. I think that's it. Paul, you got I some plugs? Throw in something real oh, wait. Quick Dave's got I one first. Plugs. Yeah. Uh, about the Instagram uh, that I run, the 24 Inch Podcast Instagram, yep. like Steve mentioned. I just want to give a quick thanks and a shout out to Travis Orndorff, the son of Mr. Wonderful, who's been sharing some of our stuff. And he's got a podcast out there, the number wonderful podcast that's going on right now. Just want to say thanks, man. And that's an honor. Yeah. All right. Hey, hello to uh, Mr. Wonderful's son. Where are you going, Nut? Okay, Paula's got a question. Is it off-air question? Um, All right, well, why don't I get Dave reading the first email, and then you can tell me in my ear. Go ahead, Dave, first email. Okay, Kevin Hogan, one of our number one fans for the past year right here on the 24-inch podcast. Got a cool question relating to No Holds Barred, the match to movie that we just covered. And here's Kevin's question. Guys, congratulations on the one-year anniversary I really enjoyed the podcast, and I'm looking forward to another year. Thanks, Kevin. I've got a question about No Holds Barred, the movie. All right. In the, in the movie, there's a scene where Rip Thomas thwarts the robbery of a diner and his sheer athleticism, raw power, pie-slinging ability, and he destroys the diner in the process. In retrospect, do you think that Rip should have just let them rob the diner? <laughs> All right, uh, Kevin, that's a funny joke. Uh, like I said before, you know, No Holds Barred was not a kid movie. It wasn't really kid-friendly. No. A lot of people probably to this day that never saw it still think it's a kid movie. I think the pie-throwing is to get those giggles out of the kids and also the dookie scene. That's for kids, of course, too. But the rest of it is pretty, you know, PG-13-ish on that side, you know, mm -hmm. mid-teenage years. Uh, so I think, yeah, that, that pie-throwing scene was, you know, to get a, a little gag and some laughter out of the kids. And do we think he should have let them rob the diner? Of course not, man. He 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 goes back years with the uh, the lady that ran the diner there. That's my man, she said about Rip. So he wouldn't be her man, brother, if he let them rob the diner. And of course, he's got to impress Samantha and more, man. I mean, take a good look at her. I I would save uh, the day if she was around as well. What do you think, Steve? I mean, just never on Rip's watch would he be able to, in good conscience, let people rob his friends. You know, 
he fights for the rights of every man, even in his rip form. So that's right. He had a he had a stand up there. It's a joke though. I get the joke. Funny, funny. All right, quick mm-hmm. comment from our friend Mick Price. This is from our Facebook group. No questions or anything, but want to say thanks for an awesome podcast. I really enjoy the "What Is Hulk Doing" and month in review segments. Uh, oh, wow. So shout out to Mick. Thanks for that. Love thanks, having Mick, Mick as a listener. All right, Dave, you got another one? You want me to go out to the next one and the Facebook? Why don't you keep going on, my friend? All right, Jarrett Sainz. Sainz? Sainz? Jarrett? Jarrett, tell me how to say your name. Give it to me phonetically so I don't screw it up next time. Hey, all, I have two Zeus-related questions. Do you think there is any truth to the rumor that WrestleMania Six is going to have Hogan versus Zeus as the main event? Seems like the internet lore to me, but I'm curious on your takes. Second question, what was your opinion of Zeus? In 1989, when he first appeared. And for Paula, do you think he's goofy or scary? I remember being four years old and thinking he was more goofy than scary at the time. I felt that Hulk could take down Andre and Bundy. This guy wasn't going to be any trouble. Looking forward to this one, and I hope Steve, Dave, and Paula and all have a happy, a great Christmas and a happy new year. All right, thanks, Jarrett. Dave, why don't you start off with the first one? Because it's kind of an easy answer that I know we both know, but you will be able to answer Sure. Right back. Go ahead. First of all, right back at you, Jared. Thanks for being a listener, and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you as well. And Sains, uh, yeah, the, Jared Sains, Sains. Jared Sains, 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 or Sains. let us know. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, the WrestleMania six uh, with Zeus. It's it's more of a timing. If somehow if No Holds Barred came out in December of '88, maybe you know what I mean. They would want to do WrestleMania with that, depending on how the movie did. But no, I mean, Hulk pinned him decisively at SummerSlam 89, body slammed him, dropped a leg, pinned him. I know he got hit with Sherry's purse. So for me, I was starting to get a little too smart, even for a nine-year-old. I really wasn't intimidated by Zeus. Uh, I could see how people would be intimidated by him, yes. But uh, no, I don't think they were pushing uh, towards WrestleMania, I think. Well, they, I, uh, I know Pritchard has said, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, okay. I know Pritchard has said that, it was a consideration in their long-term planning. But once they got to see Zeus in the ring and I mean, he couldn't remember anything. He couldn't, it it, it came off the board quickly. It was something that was on the board as one point as a possibility. Um, and then quickly became not a possibility. Yeah. Even so, uh, just in my opinion, this is just in my opinion, even if Zeus was great in the ring and everything, all these pay-per-views before, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, I guess they wouldn't have done the No Holds Barred match the movie then. But it's a little bit much. You know, usually WrestleMania's got to be super-duper fresh, super-duper fresh match. And, um, you know, it, it wouldn't have been. But, uh, yeah, that, that's my take on it. I didn't like the Survivor Series match where Zeus got disqualified right at the beginning. And then uh, they disqualified DiBiase's whole team and all. That's my least favorite Hulk Survivor Series match. So uh, I love the SummerSlam 89 match. I thought that was perfectly done. And uh, and I like the, uh, like I said before, I like the cage match for Master Movie. But uh, yeah, in my opinion, uh, yeah, no way for WrestleMania. Paula, what's your opinion on this guy? Goofy or scary? Scary. Scary. All right, Paula finds him scary. Probably those eyes, right? Those creepy eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And his jacket is pretty scary, too. <laughs> yeah, what is that? Is that like a alternate like football shoulder pad? Yeah, that's like, crazy stuff. Yeah. Crazy costuming there. I remember being relatively scared by Zeus in the sense that I think after Andre, right? After Hulk survived Andre and beat Andre in three 
and showed that he could stand up with Andre in any setting. I was never, I always was confident he could find a way to win. Um, but Zeus was someone I respected as a possibility to beat him initially, but or hurt hurt him, hurt him kind of more of my thought. Yeah, but I always thought Hulk would out wrestle him. Correct. You know what I mean? He came off even to me at that age as being green, you know, being not in the same league as Hulk as a wrestler. And although he was big and strong and tough, I knew Hulk could handle big and strong and tough guys, and that eventually he would. That was my thought on it, if I recall correctly. Yeah, and we knew. I mean, we were already, you know, nine years old. I had a lot of older people around me, older siblings. And like I always say, father, uncle, were wrestling fans. So all those older people, like I knew Zeus was from Armed and Dangerous with John Candy. You know, I knew he was an actor. So, I mean, I know that just bringing in an, an actor. Yeah, I was kind of a smart ahead of my time, <laughs> you know, back then. So, uh, yeah, not, not, not a big effect on me, but still had to see it. You know, still loved it. So yeah. That's about it. All right. Randy Krupski. Checks in. Love, Randy. Merry hey, Christmas, Randy. Steve, Paul, and Dave. If your Andrick music had to be a Christmas song, which would it be? Let's start with that. Paula, if you were a wrestler and your entrance music down to the ring was a Christmas song, what would you pick? Well, my favorite Christmas song is Jingle Bell Rock, so I'm going to go with Jingle Bell Rock. Jingle Bell Rock. Cool. Dave? Good song, by the way, Paula. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw this... Uh, Hey, Randy, and I saw you post this about a half hour ago, and I thought about it. And what came to my mind is that scene in Home Alone where Kevin's in the church and he talks to the old man and he knows he's got to get home to save his house. And Carol of the Bells starts playing by the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I think that's the one. I mean, when it, when it really starts kicking in, right, in serious, right. that's, a good, down, yeah, down, that's down, a good choice. Bells are hitting. I think that's a WrestleMania entrance there, brother. Yeah, Paul. That's my answer, brother. I know what it's called. Yeah. Christmas Eve. Oh, okay. Christmas, Christmas Eve. All right. I think uh, for me, man, this is really difficult. Um, but I would go with uh, Someday at Christmas, the Pearl Jam version. I don't know. Oh, the Stevie Wonder one, of course. Yeah, original, but I'm right? going with the Good Pearl song. Jam one for sure. Um, but me and Paula do have an issue with the covers, right? We're always driving around listening to Christmas music. And we hear these horrible versions of some of these songs, and we just and get disgusted. What? Yeah, They're, it's for Dave to hear. And there's a <laughs> boring rock Christmas, and it's about like Last Christmas. Give you yeah, we hear a horrible Last Christmas cover. George Michael, not George Michael. No, it wasn't him. Right. Some of them can't. Some of them can't be repeat. They can't be replaced. Can't be repeated. You All know right. what I mean? Even even some when some rock bands do them. We love rock and roll music. You know, there's nothing like the originals. Also, the blue steel cage will always be the best cage. No pre-cut boot holes. The blue cage will always be the best cage. Signed, dotted, initialed. Every other cage stinks. Dave, do you have a differing opinion for any reason? No, I don't. The blue okay. steel cage is the best. It's from my you know, from my era, and it, the look of it, it just stands out. You know, having that. Is having it for the LJN ring and everything, it just really stands out. I like yep. that in the Attitude Era, they, they did paint it black because it is the Attitude Era now, and they just should have left that as the cage from then on, the black one. I don't know why they went back to the fence. I think so they could drop it from the ceiling. It makes it a little easier than, than constructing the cage. But, uh, yeah, it, it, t- it takes away when it's just a fence, in my opinion. Good one, Randy. Um, Anything else on text over there, Dave? I'm good, brother. That's You're it. good. So that's all the texts. That's all the emails. I didn't... You got you got an email? Yeah. 
What do you got, Pa? I didn't do mine. You got the Grinch, right? Yeah. What did I the Grinch say? A couple more. I okay. Got three more. Okay, go ahead. What's your first one from the Grinch? Uh, he said, Oh, what? Uh, <laughs> first, it's the Grinch. What? Oh, you guys are not watching my William Shooter. <laughs> and second, <laughs> and second thing is. That's a good Grinch impression. Go ahead. I, or, when did Hulk Hogan face how did Hulk Hogan, how did Macho Man get bad? No, I meant, I meant, hold on, no, 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 no. Okay. I meant, how did Andre get bad? Okay. All right. Two good questions from the Grinch there. First one, Dave, do you want to handle it? Why aren't we watching his movie sooner? Because we've all admitted we haven't really watched his movie yet this year. So what, what's the problem? Yeah, I haven't even watched the cartoon. I watch that every year. But uh, sorry, uh, Mr. Grinch, but I'm going to get around to the car- cartoon real soon. Please but don't movie- steal our Christmas. Please don't. Yeah, man. The Who's, man. I got to stick up for those Who's. You never know when the- you're going to see a Who walking down the street. But uh, the movie, the Jim Carrey movie, I've actually never seen it. I was supposed to take a girl to see it back in the year 2000. But, you know, I was 20 years old. We started drinking and stuff. And one thing led to another. And, you know, we didn't need to go to a movie, I guess. So, uh yeah, I never got around to see uh, the Grinch, uh, Jim Carrey version. I apologize for that, Mr. Grinch. You know, please leave my Christmas tree where it is. Don't mess with my red wine. You know, my dog will bite you in your green ass. So whatever. But still, uh, Grinch, I will get on that. My dog would be like barking and I would wake up when I hear him and I would fight. Because you I fight have, the Grinch? Yeah. Because I watch him yeah. to I watch Cobra Cat with my dad and I know kills. Exactly. The second question is, man. The second question is, how did Andre get bad? And what happened is that no good weasel breath heenan poisoned his mind and brainwashed him. I have I have a better one. Uh, okay. Hypnotized him. Oh, he hypnotized him? <laughs> Had a little lock it out, shaking it in front of Andre's face. You will hate Hulk Hogan. No. Agree with that, Dave, or you got any other reason for why Andre? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Andre, you know, Heenan was the only one that can lift that suspension that uh, Jack Tunney gave to Andre because Heenan's the only one that pushed for it. So Andre had to work for Heenan, right? He had no other choices. I think he was really still a nice guy deep down, but he got brainwashed by Heenan, and he had no other choice to get back into wrestling without the help of Bobby Heenan and that hearing that Jesse the Body Ventura knew about. Yep. You know, and what, you know, we did. We had to get to the bottom of it. We finally did, and I think that's what happened. Paula, do you have another email? As yes. she takes a giant bite of a banana. Right. <laughs> as long as you're not in a banana phone. No. No, no banana phone. <laughs> Go ahead, baby. What's your this next email? One from another who? Another who? From Cindy one of the who? who? Cindy Lou Who? Yes. <laughs> what does Cindy Lou Who want? Why did you not watch my movie? She wants to know, too. Cindy Lou, rewind the podcast and listen to the last answer. It's the same for you. Don't don't be telling me the Who's have and their own spinoff, man. Well, how did <laughs> Hulk Hogan get bad first? Okay, Dave, what happened to the Hulkster who got bad a little bit there when he was Hollywood? Go well, ahead. Hulkster, yeah, he got, he got fed up with these fans, the way they treated him for all he done for wrestling. This is a shoot coming from Hollywood Dave Rollins. He got fed up with them. And they didn't appreciate him anymore. And the fans became, it started to become the prototype of what wrestling fans are like today. And I don't like them today. And they were starting to get like that back then. So Hulk said, shove it, brother. And he turned the industry upside down one more time in 1996. 
All right, Paula, what else you got? You got one more for us? Um, I have a, I don't know why my question. It's because his boss back in the day, he was mean. Mm. That's why. Oh, Classy Freddy Blassie, are you yeah. talking? Way back in the day. Yeah. Oh, what Hulk was mean. Oh, okay. Paul, you know your stuff. Uh, I see what you mean. It was that no good Classy Freddy Blassie that was, okay. had him bad. Good point, Paula. And this one. Last one. It's from both of your letters. So, um, okay, well, Dave doesn't have a brother. Oh, both of my brothers. Yeah. Anthony and Greg. A co-email from my two brothers. First it's Greg's. Okay, first it's Greg's. What does Greg want to know? He wants to know um, what's a good time to come over on Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so, Greg, I'm going to let you know that we can handle this business off of the podcast. Just hit me on my cell phone <laughs> and we'll discuss it. What does Anthony want to know? And the real thing he wants to know is it's also a same question. Okay. What is the same question? I want to know what's going on. Okay, what do we got? This is just... This is the Saints question. Saints question. I can handle it. When when did the Saints lose a Super Bowl? Well, they've played in one Super Bowl, and it was in February 7th, 2010, and they won. They beat the Indianapolis Colts 24-17, to and that's their only Super Bowl. They played in Super Bowl 44, XLIV, and, and they were the winners. And speaking of the So they've Grinch. never lost one. Yeah, speak Speaking to, of the Grinch, who played the halftime show at that Super Bowl? The Who! There you go. Mm -hmm. All right, you got one last question, or is that it? Um, Anthony. Anthony, what's Anthony's question? It, this is a wrestling one. Okay, a wrestling one from Anthony. When? When? He, he knows about wrestling, but yeah. he forgot this one. Okay. When did Hulk Hogan saw Andre when he was bad? He forgot. He when did he bad. see him for the first time? Yeah. Okay, Piper's Pit. Right? Yeah. Here was the thing. So there's a series of Piper Pits in 87. Dave remembers this. Andre got an award for being undefeated for 15 years. Hulk came out, pat him on the back. Then Hulk got an award for being champion for three years. That's um, a long time. A long time to be a champion. And then there was some rumors that maybe there was some jealousy and Piper and Jesse Ventura were kind of stirring it up. So they made a deal that Piper would get Hogan and Andre would get Jesse would get Andre, and they would see him next week on Piper's Pit. And then Andre came out with Heenan, and you knew there was trouble right away. Right away, Jesse goes, whoa. <laughs> and we knew there was trouble ahead, and there sure was. So good question, Anthony. If you want to check that out, I believe it's the February 7th. Yep. Um, 1980. It's funny 19, you said that yeah. because I was thinking I of myself idea. for season two in February. We both, me and Steve and Paula, love that February nineteenth, February seventh, eighty seven superstars. I think maybe that could be a little twenty four inch podcast season two coming up. What do good, you think? Good thought. What was it? What were you gonna say, Paula? Um, this one is a better idea. Okay. Hulk Hogan, he was in Piper Pit. First, it was the champion of the world. Yeah. And then when Hogan saw it, he not not Jesse, but it wasn't it wasn't Piper. Okay. It was actually Hogan who said, well. Oh. But but when you kind of hear it, they a little bit just, um, it's actually Hogan mm. that's saying. Okay. It's from the microphone because. My mistake. I thought it was Jesse, but you're saying it was Hulk. Yeah. Got it. Um. All right. One last thing I want to do today before we get out of here. I want to go around the room. So I'm going to get Paula's answer, Dave's answer. I'll give you my answer. 
What are you looking forward to the most about season two of the 24 inch podcast? And what do you think the listeners can expect next season? Go ahead, Paula. Okay. And also Karate Kid. Go to. Okay. And Karate Kid. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start with Karate Kid. Okay. What do you. I'm looking forward to see how a little bit of their practice and then their tournament. Because okay. I say, season four of Cobra Kai, you mean? Because there's going to be a I tournament. See, yeah. Like, Yes. I want to see CD5 with some acting up. Yeah. I want to see that. Okay. Plus, we got the Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3 in 4K. We got to watch because we're going to get that on DVD, hopefully. It's on our 4K. Christmas list. Yep. Yeah, they remastered the movies in 4K. In oh, our, oh, I understand. In our TV show's 4K. So we got, we're getting those DVDs. And Beautiful. The 24 podcast. I'm looking forward to being Hogan next year. We'll change it up. Oh, yeah. We're getting rid of Hulk? What? what? <laughs> Who are we going to change it to? Well, this year we're finished with Hulk. Okay. The Macho. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. The, the Oh, yeah, podcast. Oh, we can talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Paul wants to throw the format right out and you know, go to the that's, Oh, that's yeah. That's going to be podcast. a lot with the new, new logos and all that kind of thing. That could be an issue. Right, but well, it doesn't mean that we can't well, have a special on We'll have a meeting. Man, uh, we'll have a meeting. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss it. The Oh, yeah. Do we switch to the Oh, yeah podcast and two Macho Man next year? We'll put wow. it on your advisement, Paul. And I have another one. And another idea. Okay, great. Dun dun dun! <laughs> you think it over, Dave. What do you think to that question I threw out there? Okay, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to just keep evolving and learning more from the Twenty Four Inch Podcast. I really, really like, really, really like how we stick to like right now. It's the time where the Noah's Bar, the match, the movie came on. We did a Survivor, you know, we did a Survivor series. Yeah, matching the calendar up. Mm-hmm. Not like that. that too. If we get a request, you know, especially for house show or something, not that we won't do something out of order, but I really like to keep it mostly matched up. It really makes me get in the mood and have a more of a feel for it and get excited. I like this, that I don't need beer anymore. Not saying I never will be drinking beer while we're doing it, but it used to be a necessity to do the podcast to loosen up. But I'm comfortable enough now that I got my Coke Zero right in front of me here. And, uh, you know, just just learning more more and more just on the spot right now i can't really think i'd like to enhance the sound quality of it we all know what i have to do for that and i believe that will be coming in season two and um just uh get, getting our whole friendship or relationships that we've made me steve and paula and getting it more out there wide out there and we're going to be at the 80s WrestleCon coming up yeah with Tommy that, Fierro that's my Bay. number one thing for sure yeah. it's just yeah, getting man. to meet people at the 80s wrestling con and promote the show I don't know that the Bulldogs will be there. No, I would. I'd His count son, them out. Maybe, 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 uh, Harry maybe, maybe yeah, maybe Davy Boy Jr. What's yeah, it's Davey? possible. More than Matilda. Maybe Matilda. Yeah, it's a long shot, but yeah, we'll see what. <laughs> maybe we're gonna see one of them and no Matilda. Yeah, maybe, but yeah, we'll know. we'll be seeing everyone at '80s Wrestling Con. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to just covering more of the matches, more of the moments, finding a better um, website for the news. Yes, so, yes. Which I've been working on. I think I might have found one. I was going to show that to Dave. Uh, Also, just, um, like I said, covering more of the moments, more of the memories, watching Paula evolve as a podcaster. So I have a feeling she'll be pushing me and Dave out here soon enough. Yeah, Paula, I don't want to cut you off, Steve, but really, (laughs) from from the beginning till now, 
Oh my God, you were always great. Yeah. But you have you She's you have grown impressions. up. You have grown up with us so so amazingly. She's cutting people off now. What? I know what it is. What? It's your favorite Wesley. Oh, Ricky Steamboat? The Dragon. Do the Dragon Podcast? Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. We could do one-offs like that. You know what I mean? Do do a podcast called He's Got a Lot of Throat. Yeah, man. Yeah, it'll be about how Ricky Steamboat. I don't think he's got a lot of heart. I think he's got a lot of throat. got a lot of throat. (laughs) All right. The larynx. The larynx. With all that said, there's only one more thing to do for season one. To ask everyone everyone out there, say your prayers, take your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Merry Christmas and happy Hollywood days, brother. Happy Christmas. Ho, ho, ho.